All right, it's the Digital Side Hug. I'm David Rubio, and you guys are in for a real treat today because I've got a guy with me that I don't even fully understand. Um, He is a mystery wrapped in a riddle, and his name is Patrick Ford. Uh, So, Patrick, um, this is the very first time I've tried a phone uh, interview on the podcast. Are you there? I'm right here. I'm honored to be a first attempt at a phone interview and uh, happy to be here with you with the digital side hug and one back to you. Now, th- oh, thanks, thanks. Now, Patrick, you, you heard me tell our listening audience, which at this point is probably just my mother, um, but you heard me tell her that you are a mystery wrapped in a riddle, and you know that I mean that in the best possible way, right? Well, I do. I do, and I think your mother would take it in the best possible way. Yes. Well, because I'm not sure that I will ever be able to have another individual on this podcast who is is weirder the right word? Is weirder even a word, Patrick? Uh, I think the... I think the proper word is, is more weird, um, but weird itself is an awfully weird word. There, there shouldn't be any standard anything when it comes to the word weird, um, and it, it may not be the right word. It is definitely a right word. Right now, are you still in the car? Are you driving? I'm still in the car, yes. And you're driving back to your home, your temporary home in Memphis. Uh, tell us why right. you were in, uh, why, where you were and why you were there. Okay, well, I, uh, I left Memphis yesterday at 5 o'clock in the morning and drove roughly 1,200 miles uh, to the middle of Long Island, New York, uh, picking up a load of furniture and personal effects for our family because we are moving to Long Island in about three weeks to assume a ministry of preaching and teaching uh, with the West Islip. Church of Christ there, very excited and, and happy about that. A ministry position on Long Island. That is so exciting. Yeah. Now, can I? Can we do something real quick? We're going to switch gears, and I'm going to do a lightning round. I call it Blitzkrieg question and answer. Sure. The first question I'm going to give you comes from Morris Gregwire of AskingCanBeFun.com. Um, AskingCanBeFun.com is one of the sponsors of the show. And uh, we, we pulled this one off the website today. It is, uh, when and where was your talk on the birds and the bees? I do not remember a single talk. I remember multiple awkward uh, sort of conversations with an illustrated manual, so to speak, some sort of anatomy textbook, I guess it was, with both of my parents, and all all I really remember is kind of nodding my head and hoping they would think I had understood sufficiently (laughs) so that the whole thing would stop. Got it. Uh, But that was, yeah, that was probably like 11 or, when I was 11 or 12 years old. So, so next question, who was your favorite uh, superhero when you were a child? Probably Batman. Okay. Uh, like what about Batman. what about your go-to sugar cereal? Wow. You know, you asked this last time we talked, 
and had a lightning round, and I really don't have one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you, you can't eat sugar cereal. Well, I, I mostly don't eat cereal, period, because it, it's almost all made with with wheat, and I can't eat wheat. And and we'll uh, get to that. We'll get to that in a few minutes. So let me ask a different yeah. question. Um, okay, there is a button in front of you, Patrick, and if you press it, yeah. you have toes where fingers should be and fingers where toes should be. If you don't okay. press it, you you have an ear where your nose should be and you have noses where your ears are or where your ears should be. So do you swap toes and fingers, or or do you swap nose and ears? Yeah, I, I would totally swap uh, toes and fingers. Absolutely, that's not even a question. <laughs> okay, good, good, excellent. All right. Uh, so last, I wouldn't know what to do with with one ear and two noses. Last question for you: Unforgiven or three ten to Yuma? Unforgiven. Oh, so good. They're both so oh, yeah. good, though. And they're both so quotable. Oh. You notice the pause. I mean, it's, I have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to think about it. But That's not one of those where, yeah. I mean, if you've never heard of one of them, then I guess you could have an easy answer. But but if you've seen sure. 310 to Yuma, either version, frankly, and then you've seen Unforgiven, they, they both are stories that matter. Well, that's another good question. Old or new, 310 to Yuma. Uh, yeah, very different endings for sure. I said at the opening, you might be one of the weirdest people that I ever have on this podcast. I remember when I first realized how how different from the rest of the people that I know you are was the time you told me that you had practiced being blind. Yes. And yeah. I still can't get over... You spent a day pretending to be blind just in order to prepare for the eventuality that you might wake up blind and and have to figure out life. That's true. And actually, this this, uh, practicing of being blind, I've been been practicing in in different ways for more than two decades. But yes, there there was a day uh, where I went to school uh, and all day long, I was blind <laughs> the whole day. Uh, you had I mean, teachers. Not really blind because I could still see like light and dark through my closed eyelids. But uh, you're at a public like school, and you're walking around yeah. pretending to be blind, and teachers are asking you what you're doing, and you're you're telling. Are you what? Did they ask? Some did ask, and then when I explained it, there were no more questions. <laughs> That's such an amazing story. What do you say to that, really? Right. You know? But you practice, you you said you practice a lot of things, you know, kind of dealing with difficult scenarios in part because you spent most of your life thinking that you had a disease, right? Well, no, that that's actually not true. I spent most of my life thinking I was totally normal uh, with regard to what you're talking about not knowing that I wasn't. Oh, I um, thought you spent I, most of your life thinking you had fibromyalgia. Well, let's go Let's go back, because there was a point at which that diagnosis had been given to me, but before that, I, I thought it was totally normal 
for people to hurt all the time. Yeah, be in pain. And, and I don't mean hurt like have a little headache. I mean stabbing, throbbing, oh, I broke my rib kind of pain. Mm. I, I didn't know that that wasn't normal. How many years and, did you live with that kind of abnormal pain thinking it was normal? Uh, about 20 years. Yeah. And, and then... So then you're diagnosed as, through, as having fibromyalgia? Yes. And, and then, well, then, first I had to be convinced that it wasn't normal and that I right. had to go see somebody, and that took a couple of years. Um, and once I did see somebody, we went through a lot of different tests. I, I vividly remember uh, you know, being told, hey, you may have a brain tumor. We need, to get, we need you to go in for this scan. I said, that's great, but I can't pay for it. So I, I worked for six months to save the $500 copay so I could go have a brain MRI to find out if I had a brain tumor. Uh, so, if I, so I would know if that was causing some of these symptoms. Turns out it, it was all clear, and that was wonderful. Right. Uh, but when I was 23, 24, I was kind of handed this diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Which is just uh, basically, we don't know what it is, but it means you're going to hurt, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You may have all kinds of weird, inexplicable symptoms. Um, and then for the next six or seven years, I labored under the illusion of understanding that that's what was wrong with me. But that's not uh, what was wrong to, with you, right? No, it's not. It's not and, at all what was wrong. So then six or seven years of, of living with fibromyalgia or, or, or thinking that you're living with that, and, and you're still in constant pain, but then yeah. you sort of figured it out. And what, what was that? I, I, found out, uh, I found out that gluten, a, a protein, and wheat, rye, barley is highly toxic for me. Uh, the best way I can describe it is not as an allergy, but it's poisonous. So how many years ago was this that you found out that basically you had been poisoning your body for 30 years? That was three years ago. So for the last three years, you have experienced a new kind of glorious normal? Yes. it's. I feel like I'm a hundred times more me. Uh, stunning energy and focus, uh, vibe and verve. I've lost 70 pounds. I feel so much better. I don't hurt all the time. The irony now is the irony of this glorious new normal that I mentioned where you're pain-free, you've got this focus, you've got this energy. Uh, the irony is you, you. there's so many foods that the rest of us enjoy and eat every day and love that you would be poisoned by. So, so yeah. what's it like? Every day not being able to eat the foods that the rest of us love so much. But, you know, it, it's not a difficult thing for me to deny myself because it, it would be like asking any other person, hey, here's a, a wonderful sandwich. If you eat it, you're going to have the flu for five days. You're going to have the stomach flu for three days. And, by the way, your head's going to feel like you have a jackhammer through it for, you know, for the next two weeks. Uh, would you like a bite? You know, so any yeah. normal person would say, no, hey, I, I have no interest in that. And for me, that's what that's what's on the table. So, um, yeah. I did today walk into a convenience store and see some glorious raspberry-filled sugar, powdered sugar-covered donuts, and I thought, oh, that would be good. But I didn't want that donut. You know, right. I, I need something that I can eat. Right, right. Uh, so I, I don't have a problem staying away from poison. Well, Patrick, if you are 
the weirdest person that I ever have on this podcast, then you're probably also the most intelligent or, or, or you of all the people I'm ever going to interview may have the highest IQ. And I, I bring that up because the last time when we were talking about this gluten situation, um, yes. I realized you were experiencing something that was so cool and meaningful and it, and it relates I think to ministry and life in Christ and life working with, you know, others and living in community. And I, and I want you to talk a little bit about it. And that is, um, when you sort of discovered what your particular food intolerance meant for the Lord's supper. Okay. And David, I'll let you know on the front end, there's a delightful twist now that you don't know about yet. But oh, wow. Okay, sure I can't wait to hear the end it. Of it. Yeah. So when, when I first understood what was going on, how gluten affected me, uh, I, I continued taking the smallest little pinch of communion bread that I could uh, because I, I've been in Churches of Christ my whole life. Uh, I've been taking communion since I was 10 years old. Uh, this is, I mean, for me, this is just part of what it means to go to church and worship on a Sunday morning. Uh, it, it's just baked deep inside of me. Yeah. And so I, I did that, and I did that, and I did that, and I started noticing that every time I felt sick. Every time. My head Sunday. started spinning. And, you know, particularly when I did it and then, then preached one Sunday, it, it just wasn't good. Yeah. And... So I, I talked with my wife, and I said, look, I, I just I can't do this. Um, and I I wish I could, but I I can't I can't give up my health um, and damage my body for days to take this little tiny crisp of a cracker. That's that's that is stunning. The, the whole the the Lord's Supper communion bread was like poison. To your body, it was. It was, and, and it, it was particularly difficult for me because uh, because the Lord's Supper for me is a, a communal meal. Oh. It's the whole point of it is the togetherness of, of the church and of the body, um, not just in a particular room, but across the world and and throughout time. It, it's that holy communion of the saints. It comes together in bread and in wine. And for me, it really was giving up something of great value and significance. Uh, and, and I didn't do it lightly. It just felt absolutely necessary right. for where I was. And so what I, what I started doing was uh, simply taking you know, your, your authorized snap off the, off the larger piece there, and, and I would just hold it between my fingers and, and let the firmness so that the pointed edges kind of dig into my fingers a little bit and roll it around and so as everybody else was was taking and eating I was taking and holding and and, and feeling doing as much as I could to come close and to be part of that communal experience yeah although I couldn't do it in the way that that I wanted to or or was brought up to do um and then I would set it to the side and then would take the cup with everybody. 
the, the delightful conclusion to all of this is that the church where we're heading to uh, has recently started using a gluten-free communion bread in all of the plates, and everybody takes communion with a gluten-free wafer. Wow. Uh, Th- had they already so started this before they interviewed you? They started doing that just a, a few weeks before. There, there's another member at the church that has to be gluten-free, uh-huh. and in order to accommodate her needs, they switched over. They had been doing wow. kind of a, a smaller portion in one of the one of the trays. Yeah, yeah. But again, when you when you think about the the symbol of the symbol of the body of Christ and being together, yeah, uh, it's a little off-putting to have two different kinds of this body. Right. And so Absolutely. I appreciate so much that it is one kind of bread, we all share in it equally, and we all can have our individual needs met by this one mm-hmm. bread that symbolizes the one completing, fulfilling body of Christ. And so that, that for me was a, an especially holy moment a few weeks ago, when for the first time I was able to really take communion yeah. with my brothers and sisters in worship. And wow. I, I cheered up a little bit. Wow. Because it means that much to me. That's thrilling, man. You know, I've been excited for you to get a ministry position, and then when I heard the news that this job came through, I was, I was celebrating, and our, in fact, our whole family was. Uh, and to hear, that is that really is an awesome, uh, awesome twist yeah. on, the, on the story. In your time... Um, volunteering in youth groups and then and then becoming a paid youth worker and then working in a church as auxiliary minister is there a lesson that you've learned that that you want to pass along to youth workers out there uh, that you kind of leave us with before we go sure you know that and really we could do a lot of different ones but this, this is kind of what is in my mind right now uh if you watch TV, and of course you shouldn't, but we all do, uh, there is this, you know, this commercial, the most interesting man in the world, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, someone who comes off as far above and beyond anything any of us could hope to have be true about our lives. Uh, right. When you asked me early on, you know, are you the most interesting person, you know, I what I always think of, because I, I hear that a lot, you know, you are a really interesting person, which is kind of <laughs> I'm and, so and I'm glad totally I'm okay not the that. only one. That's funny. No. I mean, I've been hearing this for 20, 25 years. Uh, what I've come to the conclusion of, and, and this, this for me strikes at the heart hey, The most interesting man in the world. He practices yeah. being blind. Guys. Um, but it is, it is that people find me interesting, I think, not because of these weird, bizarre things that I do, but because I am deeply interested in them. Yeah, wow. That's cool. And all these other things that I do are, are a way of conveying that interest. I mean, I, I am really interested and invested, in a sense, in what it means to be blind what it means to be physically blind and spiritually blind. I'm invested in what it means to always walk with a limp. And I mean that literally and figuratively. I'm very interested in what it means to be someone else. And I think having that willingness, having 
a nature and a character that says, I always want to bridge the gap, makes the gap so much smaller. It makes people makes it easy for people to come the other way and say, well, tell me about something. You, you've, yeah. you've asked me to, to share so much of what's going on there. You know, so I sit, I've had the opportunity to sit down with kids that have no interest in church, no interest in Jesus, but I get to tell them the gospel story because I was interested in who they were, and they wanted to know what would make me interested in them. And I think that's a lesson you can take to the bank and cash in every time. You're not always going to be thought of as the cool person. You're not always going to be thought of as the most normal person. But if you can convey that you are the most interested person, you've got an open door. Oh, that's awesome. I love you. I, I, I just think that's a great message. And what's cool about that is uh, this guy, Patrick Ford, um, sends out a tweet uh, every Thursday morning that just mm-hmm. says, can I pray for you today? Um, and and I know that you've prayed for me. You know, you've prayed for requests. I've, I've sent things to you. Um, right. And I know that you gen- genuinely mean that as a an invitation to any person hearing uh, the sound of our voices on this podcast. You know, if, Absolutely. if you're Thank interested you. in having um, the most interesting man in the, in the world praying for you, <laughs> then uh, you just, you know, all you have to do is look for a guy named Patrick Ford on Twitter and, and he will do it every Thursday. Uh well, yeah, that's at Ford PJ, or you can hit my website, patrickford.me. Um, at Ford. Absolutely. Please join the, the community of people that, that we get together in some fashion on Thursday mornings. And you know, even if you're just praying for yourself, I'm there with you, and I'm praying with you. Uh, and you wouldn't believe the kind of response and conversations and relationships that, that get started. Uh, simply by leaving that open invitation and making it consistent. Well, Patrick, you are a treasure, and, and and conversations like this is exactly why I wanted to do this podcast because this is is like honestly, it's it's more than a digital side hug. It's like a bear hug. Um, which is great since you're not sitting here with me. I can't actually give you a hug, but I'm going to wrap things up here and just say, Patrick, thank you for talking with us, sharing your heart with us, and give us an opportunity to learn and grow together. Um, Patrick, thanks. Hey, thank you, David, and thanks to Susan and all your other listeners. Love you guys. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, so the Digital Side Hug, I don't know who's going to be on the Digital Side Hug next. But I think it will be a blessing, and I hope you'll be listening with us. God bless you guys, and uh, let's go minister in Jesus' name.